I want you to know today that God is with you. And wherever you are, whatever you're doing, I want to encourage you just slow down, stop, and focus. God is with you. You may be keenly aware of his presence. You may be struggling. You may be depressed. You may be suicidal. But I want to encourage you just a moment, friend. Be still and know that he is God. Nothing in our lives, nothing in our culture has caught him by surprise. Perhaps he's allowed our world to shake a little bit to get the attention of people and turn hearts to him. But I want to pray that his presence would captivate us now. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just want to pray now for my friends that are listening. I want to pray the Spirit of the Lord would fill their room. I want to pray the very presence of God would fill their hearts. I just declare peace. Be still. I pray, Lord, today that we would cast our cares on you because you care for us. You said if we would seek first the kingdom of God and your righteousness, you would take care of us. So we cast our worry, Lord, about provision on your shoulders. And we love you today. We ask you, God, to be with us as we open our Bibles. And we pray in Jesus' name. And let's look together in the scripture this morning. If you've got your Bible, let's go to Joshua chapter 3. We have been doing a series called The Corona Crisis. And before we begin that today, let me just encourage you, as Pastor Travis said, I am super excited. Next weekend on Saturday night, we're going to be re-engaging church. We're going to do a drive-in church service, 6 o'clock at the, at the uh, former Gander Mountain building. Really excited about it. And of course, Sunday 1 and 2 will be live streamed uh, uh, as always. But the, we're going to be getting in the mail this week a letter uh, depicting how we're going to phase back into church as, uh, as we go. This quarantine is ending and back into Real life. So take a peek at that, and uh, we're excited. In this corona crisis, uh, we've been looking to the Bible for answers. Last week, if you were with me, you remember we talked about the next battle. We talked about fighting fear to re-engage life when the quarantine is over. You remember we said caution is appropriate, but paralyzing fear is not. Well, today we're going to talk about how to navigate uncertainty. When life is routine and today is just like yesterday was, we feel secure. But you know, the coronavirus has turned the world upside down. Nobody knows what the future will hold. But listen, friend, we can have confidence because God does. As we look into the future, it might be like a fog. And, and I want you to go to, there's a little picture on your screen about a, 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 what it looks like behind the cockpit when they're flying in fog. Now, the passengers may not know it, but I'll tell you what, that could be a scary scene if you're driving the airplane. You may not know which way to go, but the reason that plane is in the air and flying is because there's a confidence in the navigation system. Uh, the pilot may not be able to see, but the instrument panels, uh, the, the, te the uh, technical the electronics, they know what's going on. And I want you to see that that's like a parallel with God. When I was in the Navy, I, I worked on some electronic equipment, aviation electronics called a TACAN or Tactical Air Navigation. 
And this little black box or machine would pick up a signal from a station. And that station, it could perhaps been in Anchorage, Alaska, or down the Aleutian chain. It would tell the pilot which way to go to the station, which direction and how far it was to get there. And the pilot, he could drive that plane or, without being able to see where he was going. And I want to suggest to you that is a perfect illustration about how we can navigate the uncertainty of the future with God. We're going to look today at an Old Testament passage about guidance when we are navigating uncertainty, because that's what I've called the message, navigating uncertainty. Joshua chapter 3, let's talk a little bit about navigating in the fog or going to a place we've never been before. Joshua chapter 3, of course, the story is Moses has taken the children of Israel out of Egypt. They're going towards the promised land. Moses dies, and now Joshua is the leader of the people. Well, early in the morning, Joshua and all the Israelites went to the Jordan River. Uh, it was a river, as we'll see, that was at flood stage. After three days, the officers went throughout the camp, giving orders to the people. Now listen, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God... Now think about Indiana Jones and that little ark. We'll talk more about it. But when you see that ark, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. Key word. Then verse 4, I want you to listen to this. Then you'll know which way to go since you've never been this way before. So here is a parallel. Uh, they were going to a place they've never been. God called it the promised land. It was a land of prosperity and of purpose. Abraham and Moses both, both talked about this land, but they had to leave Egypt. It was a type of the world. It was the past. It was yesterday. And they had to follow God to get there. Now, I want to suggest to you that this is not just a history lesson. The New Testament teaches us about the Old Testament is written as an example to us. 1 Corinthians 10, 11 says this, These things, or the journeys of the nation of Israel, happened to those people as examples they were written down to teach us. So I'm going to suggest as we're going to kind of get in the shoes of the Israelite people as they're standing by the Jordan River, we're going to learn from them how to navigate the uncertainty of re-engaging our life after the corona crisis. Because, you know, there's lots of questions. How about summer sports? How about graduation? How about trips, the economy, uh, our jobs, church attendance? It looks like a fog. But friends, I want you to be really confident right now and really assured because God is with us. God's not scared of the fog. God knows exactly which way we're supposed to go. He knows where we're going, and he'll lead us there if we'll follow him. Now, let's talk just a moment uh, about obstacles. I want you to see this Jordan River as an obstacle. See the Jordan River as something standing in their way to get where God wanted them to be. But not only obstacles create uncertainty, but yet they offer opportunity. Let's read Joshua chapter 3, continuing in the story, verse 15. The Jordan River is at flood stage all during harvest. Now, I asked Siri, I said, Siri, what does the Jordan River look like at flood stage? And this was the first image that popped up. I read a little bit. It had been used in Bible studies. But I want you to think about this. You are standing in front of this river, and you've got to get to the other side. It is an obstacle that is as real for us as this coronavirus quarantine is. 
Now, as you sit, look at that picture just a minute, listen, I, I have ridden in down whitewater rapids. They're fun in a canoe, but you're going with the current. It's easy. All you have to do is steer a little bit. But I've never gone across a river like that. It's fraught with danger. Who knows what can happen? The people, I can virtually guarantee you, are struggling because they stared at that river for three days. Three days is a long time to ask yourself questions. What's going to happen when we try to cross? Uh, Kids are asking, how are we going to do it, Daddy? Many people are saying to Joshua, I can't swim. They're having fearful thoughts, just like we have in this corona crisis. And they're, they're, they're even wondering, I bet you, if following God is worth it. This nation would teach us in the days ahead, as, oh, of course, as they did under Moses, it would have just been better if we'd have gone back to Egypt, if we'd have gone back to the way life used to be, back to the ways of the world. But yet, crossing the Jordan was the only way they could get to this promised land and find a new way of life. Now, here's an application to us that's very real. Obstacles are a part of the Christian life. Jesus himself said in John 16, Jesus said, in this world, you'll have, come on, say it with me, you'll have trouble. In this world, you'll have trouble, but take heart, Jesus said, I have overcome the world. And the implication is, if I've overcome it, you can overcome your obstacles too. Jesus also said in the preceding words, I give you my peace as you'll do it. So um, the corona crisis created a lot of uncertainty about the future, and it's like we're standing by this raging river from six week, for six weeks, and now we're about to cross over. I want to suggest this. Perhaps God allowed this crisis to shake people up and turn their hearts to God. Now, I want you to look at me just a moment, and I want to ask you this question. Is your relationship with God different today than it was before the corona crisis started? And I can tell you, friends, what I read on social media, what I hear from friends, I can almost feel it. I'm hearing from people that I went to school with as a child. I'm hearing from people that I don't even know who they are, but they live in our county. And I can tell there's a hunger for God. I can tell there is an escalation in the life of the Christian in terms of their commitment. There's a realization that there's more to life than just our hobbies and our fun and going to our favorite restaurants. But God has shaken the world. and God has said, I want you to follow me. Well, I want to suggest to you this, that we have a purpose that's bigger than this crisis. There's something more important than just going back to restaurants and movies. It is to reach and disciple multitudes of people. Israel had a promised land. You and I have a mission. Let me say it again. You and I have a mission. Because I don't don't believe the crisis is over. I don't believe the shaking is over. There's going to be across our world and perhaps across America, reemergence of this virus. As politics has stepped up the ante, as there is clearly a political agenda that's looking towards the November elections, uh, many states are, are, are keeping people behind closed doors. Uh, food is running out. People are running out of money. Uh, when this thing started, I, I read in America that only 40% of people had $1,000 to be able to put towards the future. Many people have not received their stimulus checks. This shaking is not over. And I believe God is going to allow particularly the economic aspect of it to continue for a season to shake people 
like fruit getting ripe on a tree. And it's our mission to reach people and help point them to Christ. Listen to Romans chapter 10, verse 14. Paul asked the question about, well, he says this, how can people call on him to save them? In other words, how can people just like you and I call on Jesus to save us from the penalties of our sin? How can we call on him to save us unless we believe in him? That word believes means not only an intellectual assent, but we embrace what he said and we follow him. We turn from our past life and we follow Jesus. How's it going to happen? And how will we believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells him? Well, can I tell you this, friends? This is our mission. It is telling people about Christ. It is encouraging them. It is sharing testimonies on Facebook. We're having... A couple testimonies we've shown, one way over 10,000, another approaching 10,000 of people that have watched the testimony of transformation in their life. Well, that's a featured recorded testimony, but yours and mine can come uh, from our hearts. It can come over the phone. It can come in text messages. It can come as we begin to regather with people. We can pray for people. We can ask them that great, great defining question. If you died today, are you 100% sure you'd go to heaven? There's no mission greater than this. So I want to encourage you to see this parallel between the Jordan River as the obstacle and our corona crisis. They're going to the promised land. We're stepping into our mission. We're stepping into not only one day closer to a real place called heaven, but there's something we're doing on the journey there. And I believe it's to be a part of a third awakening that sweeps the planet. So now here's the question. And this is the, really the central part of my message. How do we navigate uncertainty? How do I fly the plane when I can't see where I'm going? This is very simple, and we're going to see about it in the book of Joshua. It's the lesson we'll learn. It's the example they'll teach us. But number one, it's so simple. Do what God says. Number two, seek to live in his presence. Number three, consecrate yourselves. This is what God told the Israelite people to do. One, two, three, A, B, C, and it got them across the raging river one step closer to the promised land. We're going to see if it worked for them. It'll work for us. Let's begin with this first point. How do we navigate uncertainty? Here's the way that we say it. Do what God says and follow where he leads you. Now, Joshua chapter 3, verse 8 Tell the priests, and this is the Lord speaking to Joshua, tell the priests who carry the Ark of the Covenant, when you reach the edge of the Jordan's waters, go and stand in the river. Now, do what God says. This is obedience, but I want you to get to the picture of these men, these priests, carrying the Ark of God. Now, what I want you to see... This ark of God, well, we'll talk more about the ark in a moment. Let's talk about this idea of doing what God says. Let's talk about obedience. They didn't wait for the flood to stop before they obeyed. They followed God into the river, and then it stopped. Now, that's a tweetable phrase. They didn't wait for the flood to stop before they obeyed. They followed God into the river, and then it stopped. Now, we're talking about dealing with an obstacle that's bigger than us to handle, uncertainty surrounding it, God knowing how to get us there and God telling us what to do. Quite simply, these priests carrying the ark 
You stand in the river. And here's what I want you to see. Obedience to God instructions will get us to the other side. Let me say it again. You're going to see it on the screen. Obedience to God's instructions will get us to the other side. If we're not willing to obey God, we may be stuck where we are for a long time. We may even have to settle for second best in our life because we can remain on this side of the Jordan River. Imagine if Israel had refused to cross. They'd never have made it to their promised land. Friends, we'll never make it to God's best. Now, we'll get through the corona crisis, but there's opportunity that lies in this crisis. There's a mission that God has for us to do. There's a blessing on the other side of this thing that God will bring us into. Now, what I want you to see in verse 2, it was their pattern of obedience that was the key to their lasting success. Let me say it again. Their pattern of obedience. What I mean by that is obedience was not just something they did one time and forgot about it, but every step along the way, because you see, this promised land was filled with obstacles. They were Ammonites and Hittites and Moabites. There were people that weren't following God, and they had to deal with these obstacles. As soon as they crossed the Jordan River, guess what they saw? The city of Jericho. It was a city that had a large wall around it. It was so wide that many scholars believe you could drive chariots across the top of it. They couldn't knock that thing down. They couldn't just get around it, and God wanted them to possess that city. So how did they, that happen? Well, the Lord told them what to do. You remember the story? God said, I want you to march around the city one time every se for seven days, and on the seventh day, you march around it, and on the last time, you blow the ram's horns and you shout. Now, how in the world is that going to knock down a city wall? Well, you know what? It did. Because their obedience, once again, caused something supernatural to happen. And friend, as we're going through the fog, as we're going towards our purpose, our mission, life on the other side of the coronavirus, obedience is the key. That is, if we will obey God's word, if we'll obey his Holy Spirit, what he tells us to do, we'll get through the fog. And that's the first lesson we learn from them to navigate uncertainty is we do what God says and follow where he leads us. That's going to imply that there's a lot of extra praying in our life. That we're not just getting up and, you know, praying when we have a, a crisis. But every day of our life, we're starting our day, we're hopping out of bed. You can start this tomorrow. Hop out of bed and say, good morning, Lord. What do you have for me today? You're positioning yourself. The other day I was turkey hunting and I'm not quite sure where I was. So I took out a compass to find out where north was. And then I turned and I reoriented myself. Now I knew which way to go. See, this compass is like our will, our willingness to submit to God. God already knows what he wants us to do. We want to get in line with him. It's like a railroad track. It takes two, two tracks. One is the dominant, one is the slave that follows it. I mean, no, God is the dominant and we're the one that follows him in obedience. Now, here's the second point. It is to seek to live in his presence. Now, this is not spooky, mystical, or weird, but it's, it's simply seeking to be close to God. You remember the promise in the book of James, draw near to God, and you know it. God will draw near to you. You come close to God. God comes close to you. The Bible doesn't teach that God is the man upstairs. The Bible teaches that God wants to be near us. 
He wants to have relationship with us. And he does this through his Holy Spirit. He wants us to be close to him. Now, here's where we get this. Joshua chapter 3, verse 2. Joshua said, when you see the Ark of the Covenant, think Indiana Jones, this gold box, uh, two angels on top, and it's carried on poles. When you see the Ark of the Covenant, means uh, of the Lord your God, and the Levitical priest carrying it, you're to move out from your positions and follow it. Now, this Ark had the Ten Commandments in it, the literal ones. You know, the last time this Ark was seen other than what TV believes, but the ark was last seen in about 500 uh, B.C. Uh, when, when one of the uh, uh, pagan entities, I believe it was Nebuchadnezzar, when he came and, and, and destroyed the temple. That's the last historical recording. Many believe that there are those in the Jewish faith that know where it is today. Others believe that God could easily make it appear. But aside from that, they have the, in this ark the Ten Commandments, a jar of manna that supernaturally was preserved, and Aaron's rod. But more importantly, this Ark of the Covenant was a place where God's presence or God's glory would manifest. You remember when Moses would go into the tent or the priests would go into the temple and they'd go into the Holy of Holies. The Bible said a cloud would fill the place. It's the manifest presence of God. Now, I'm not talking about a spookiness. I'm not talking about you and I literally seeing a cloud. But the same God says, I want to be close to you and near you. Um, what is his presence? Why is it important? Maybe I can liken it this way. You know, uh, oxygen, necessary for life, O2, is present everywhere we can't see it. Well, God is, is uh, his, uh, man, his, I'm sorry, his omnipresence, what theologians call it, is the presence of God is everywhere. But then the presence of God can be, I'm going to say, manifest presence. And let me illustrate it this way. When I was a boy, I, I, I drove the tractor for my dad, and we, could, we drove it in what was called spot spraying weeds. And here I am, I'm sitting on this tractor in first gear, oh, probably, you know, nine, 10 years old. And uh, there's two guys sitting on the front of it on a board, and they're spraying weeds. And it was boring. Let me tell you what, first gear is slow. And in fields with long rows, in the hot summer, you think about this, July, August, hot summer, there would be a cloud that would come across the sky, small cloud, and it would come in front of the sun. And as it was making its way in front of the sun, you could literally see a shadow on the ground, and that shadow would come towards the tractor. <laughs> and now listen, we didn't have cabs. We didn't have air conditionings or umbrellas. It was just a hat on your little head. And as this cloud came, I would look forward to its coming. I would hope it would never leave. And if it left, uh, there was something inside me wanted to turn the tractor around and follow the cloud. But of course, I didn't. I stayed on the road. That cloud is like God's presence in our lives. It was so important. It means that God is near us. We don't see him. It's not a goosebump. It's not a physical cloud, but it's the reality that God is with me through his Holy Spirit. Uh, this presence was so real. Exodus said this, or Moses said this, Exodus 33, the Lord said to Moses, my presence will go with you and I'll give you rest. And Moses said to him, Lord, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't send me up from here. In other words, Moses said, God, I don't want to go anywhere in life that you're not with me. Now, an obvious question is, how do we follow his presence? How do we know his presence? How do we become aware of his presence in life? 
Now listen, for the believer, the Bible says the Holy Spirit lives inside us. He is the agent of the presence of God. And I want to suggest to you some things that we can practically do. Daily turn your heart to Him. Now listen, if you're walking away from the cloud, if I'm driving the tractor away, I can't expect there to be shade. So it's in my heart, it's the choice of my will, is to daily turn my heart towards Him. How do I do it? Bible reading, prayer, worship, just turning the noise off and being still before Him, uh, obeying His Word. I mean, no, disobedience pulls us away from God. Obedience draws us close. Following the promptings of the Holy Spirit. Here's another one. Asking Him what to do when you make decisions. So my time with God begins with a daily quieter devotional time, but I try to nurture that time all day long. And listen, His presence will guide you. I remember, oh, it's been several months ago now, I had just had this impression as I was in my daily quiet time, I'm supposed to record some short discipleship videos, three, four, five minutes long for new Christians to when people make inquiry about Christ, they're wanting to grow, we can just hook them up in our little system here. They dial a phone number, and then every two, three days, it sends out uh, discipleship material. Well, you can do that right now. You can just dial, I think it's 97,000, and tell them I want the videos, or I want to grow spiritually, and, and they'll send them to you. Well, I didn't get that from a seminar. I didn't get that from you know anywhere else. I feel like the Holy Spirit told me that. And when he told me I did it, and now in the corona crisis, as we're attracting dozens of people that are new people connecting over the internet, we're just sending this out to people that want it, and it's helping them. This is how it works. It's about following his presence. That's how we guide ourselves in uncertainty. See, I had no idea what was the corona crisis was coming, but God did. Now, let me give you the third thing, and it is to this, consecrate yourself. What does that mean? We're, we'll I'll define it in a moment. But Joshua chapter 3, Joshua told the people, now this is before they're getting ready to cross, consecrate yourselves or consecrate yourself to God, for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Is it just possible that if we want to see God do amazing things, if we want to get to the other side of the fog, that we've got to consecrate ourselves? Sure it is. Uh, here's what it means. The definition of consecrate, it means to set yourself apart. It's the same definition of holiness, is to set yourself apart from the world and set yourself apart to God. In other words, I turn my back on the world, I put my gaze on following Christ. It is to dedicate yourself to following the Lord. Not just showing up at church on Sunday every once in a while, dedicated. It is devoting ourselves to the service and worship of God. So it, it, it is a Getting on board. I say it this way. Consecrating is like raising your hand to volunteer in class. It's like God is asking all of us to consecrate ourselves, follow ourselves. God is looking for people that will do mission for him. And it's like we're saying, Lord, I will. I'll follow you. I'll serve you. I'll work in your kingdom. I'll do what you want me to do. I'll be devoted to you. I'll give you my time, my talent, my treasure. And consecration is the key to navigating uncertainty. You say, well, that sounds pretty cool, Pastor. How, 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 do I, how do I do that? How do I consecrate myself? And it's really this simple. Be willing to give God your time, your talent, and your treasure. Now, don't fool yourself. If you're not making time to, you pick, 
Read your Bible, serve the Lord, uh, use your talents to help people, uh, lead Bible studies, teach kids, uh, support missionaries, go on mission trips, you know, do all these things that we're called to do to serve the Lord. You're not consecrated. Consecrated is more than just coming to a service, and we'll be doing that again soon. And listen, that's a part of the Christian life. That's a level of concentration, getting out of, uh, getting out of the bed and, and coming to the Lord's house. But to be consecrated is to be dedicated to serve the Lord, um, which means be willing to pray. And when you pray, say this prayer, Lord, let your kingdom come and let your will be done in my life. It's the first petition in the Lord's prayer where you're asking God to have his way in your life. It's being willing what Jesus said in the Garden of Gethsemane. <laughs> I don't want this, but not my will, but your will be done. It is making Jesus not only say a Savior, but Lord. And I want to encourage you right now, wherever you are, whether you're by yourself or with people, I want to encourage you right now to consecrate yourself at a significant level to Christ. I think this is the key for us seeing a third great awakening. It is for the people of God to be consecrated, set apart, devoted, dedicated to God with our time, our talent, and our treasure. We're not living for ourselves but we're living for Jesus Christ. Let me, uh, let me close with this. And this is kind of a good news. <laughs> the fog is about to clear and the best is yet to come. Let me say it again. The fog is about to clear. I, I, listen, I can remember, I'm not nuts about flying, but I've flown on a lot of airplanes. And I can remember when you're doing a descent, I remember one time we were uh, descending in Florida and we were going to a pastor's conference and, and, and it was very cloudy and it was rainy. And I love to sit by the window. I love to see what's down there. But when we got in that cloud bank, you couldn't see anything. And you just had to put your trust in God and your trust in the pilot. But you know what? Soon we got below the cloud or below the fog and once again, the city began to appear. Well, this is about what's going to happen to the Jewish people under Jericho, but the same thing, friend, God wants to do in our lives. Joshua chapter 3, verse 15, the, uh, the Jordan is at flood stage all during harvest. Now, here's a little picture of that Jordan River. It's at flood stage, but you know what? The priests are standing in that river, and isn't it amazing? And God supernaturally did this somehow God supernaturally stopped the waters from flowing down. Those floodwaters. God stopped the floodwaters. I don't know how he did it. I don't know if he did an earthquake. I don't know if an angel did it. It doesn't really matter to me. I believe the Bible. God stopped the waters. They stopped flowing, and it was dry ground. You know, it was one to two million people that went across on dry ground. And it says, as soon as the priests who carried the ark reached the Jordan and their feet touched the water's edge, that took faith. They had to face their fear. And the Bible says it was a wall of water. That's kind of like the Red Sea when the, they had crossed the Red Sea. Literally, <laughs> there's a wall of water. Your fear is there. What if it came down? Well, it didn't. The water from upstream stopped flowing. It piled up in a heap a great distance away. And notice what it says. Here's the victory. The people crossed over opposite the city of Jericho. They had stepped into their promised land. Uh, they were one step closer to their promised land. An obstacle of uncertainty could have stopped them, but it didn't. It's a faith builder. 
The promised land awaits us and the future of God's favor and a future where multitudes of people will come to Christ or on the other side of this corona crisis fog. This corona crisis is our fog. We can get through it if we'll do three things. Do what God says. Now listen, you say, well, pastor, that's not always easy. Well, it is easy with Bible verses are involved, but you're absolutely right when it's subjective. How do I know if God wants me to pray for a stranger? Can I suggest this to you? Take a risk. I doubt Satan would have put that thought in your head. How do I know if God wants to support the, me to support the missionary? I doubt Satan would have said that. And if the thought came to your mind, help the missionary, maybe it's God. Do what God says, number one. Number two, seek to live in his presence. This is a decision that we can make right now. That I'm going to start my day saying good morning to the Lord, telling him I want his will to be done in my life, opening my Bible, praying, trying to walk with him the rest of the day. The Bible says if we draw near to God, he'll draw near to us. And the third thing, consecrate ourselves. That is our time, our talent, and our treasure that we're going to dedicate it to the Lord. You see, because God's just not trying to get us to the other side of the fog where we can go back to favorite restaurants and the movie theater and go to Best Buy and, and do all those things. Those are been second, secondary. But the primary thing is to fulfill the, excuse me, the purpose for which God has created me. I want to pray for you today because our promised land is on the other side of this uncertainty. Lord, for all of us, we're looking in the fog. We're, it's like we're the co-pilot sitting next to the pilot. We're trusting Jesus, the pilot, to guide us, and we're trusting the instruments to let us see our way clearly. I want to pray for all of my friends today. I want to pray that today's message in this Word of God would take us one step closer to you. I want to pray, Lord, that we would, in our hearts, to the best of our ability, hear your voice, choose your ways, and consecrate ourselves each day to follow you. Help us when it's hard. Help us to do it, Lord, when our flesh says no. And I pray this today in Jesus' name. Amen. Now I want to have one more prayer. You know, if you're going to take a journey on an airplane, it has a starting place. You get your ticket, you go to the airport, and then when the it lights up or comes in over the over the speaker, uh, flight boarding, flight 33 to San Jose, California is boarding. Sections A through Z or sections 1 through 22, please come forwards. It's a place to get on the airplane. You go through the little tunnel. The stewardess and the, maybe the pilot's at the door. They're greeting you. You figure out where you're going to sit and you sit on that plane. You get on that plane and the journey begins. Well, in the very same way, there's a starting place to get on the plane with Jesus Christ. We're not born a Christian just because you were raised in a Christian home, just because you've got, gone to church doesn't make you a Christian, just because you've read your Bible. Jesus used the phrase to be born again or to be born again as a Christian. It is a spiritual rebirth. It is a deliberate time in life where we pause and stop and if we were going this way to be a Christian, I stop and I turn my heart to Christ. I pray a prayer like this. I say, Lord, I, I admit that I have sinned, I've done wrong. 
I believe that you're the Savior of the world. I believe you died on a cross to pay the penalty for my sins, to take my place. Today, Lord, I ask you to forgive me. And here's the dedication to come into my life and be my Lord and Savior. And friends, with that prayer is stepping on the airplane. It is what many call dedicating your life to Christ. And if you've never done it, I'd like to pray the prayer with you right now. So I want to encourage you to, we'll bow our heads. If you're comfortable, or even if you're not, if you'd like to, just get out on your knees. It's not about joining a church. It's not about doing anything with me or for me. I'm simply wanting, leading you to make a connection with the, your heavenly Father who loves you. Let's pray. And I want you to say this out loud. Bow your heads and let's say it. Say, Dear Jesus, that's right. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for reaching out to me today. I realize my need for God. Just say these words. Jesus, today I acknowledge that I have sinned against you. I've done wrong in so many ways. And I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to take my sin away and give me a brand new life. Jesus, I ask you to come in my life, to be a part of my life, and to help me live for you every day of my life. And I ask you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. It's a simple prayer, and it's not just the words. It's our heart that turn away from the way we used to go it's if you can imagine that there's a little throne <laughs> on your heart. We just got off and asked Jesus to come on and said that we would follow him where he leads us. Listen, if you prayed that prayer, I want to help you in the next step. Those little de uh, videos that I talked to you about, they're all on YouTube. If you'll just, uh, uh, there's a number, 97,000. If you'll text the number and just write salvation or restored or anything, I want to see the videos. Uh, we'll send them to you. We'll send you a little link, and, and you, can, uh, you can connect to them. Uh, if you want more information about our church, his, that same number, 97,000, and uh, send me info, C-O-T-R, anything like that, and we'll, we'll get you some info about Church on the Rock. Listen, I'm so glad you came today. Uh, before you turn off, if you'd like to worship a little more, we're going to have another worship set. Our worship team will be back to do a couple songs. You may want to just stay and linger a little longer in the presence of the Lord. Otherwise, we'll see you, Lord willing, Wednesday night with our live stream. And next Saturday night, if you'd like to come out, come out to Gander Mountain at 6 o'clock, and uh, we'll have a service there or the live stream right here Sunday morning at 9 and 11. I love you. Thanks for being here. And go with me. Join me as we go back into worship. God bless you. And from you are all things. 
for your presence. God, we thank you that when we call on your name, Lord, you're there. Lord, and we just wanna draw close to you today. Lord, I pray that you would help us be the, the men and women of God you've called us to be. Lord, we just thank you for your goodness today. We say all these things in Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen, we're so excited that you uh, chose to tune in with us this weekend and we'll see you again Wednesday.